Please listen carefully. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode two of Turn of Phrases. I'm your language-loving host, Brisky, and I'm glad you're here with me today. Before we get started, I just want to run something by you, and I know you can't answer because I'm talking technically to myself at the moment, but instead of listeners, I want to call you guys toppers because I abbreviate Turn of Phrases as T-O-P, so I was thinking top toppers, you know? So <laughs> instead of listeners, I think I'm going to call you guys toppers, so I hope that's cool. If it's not You'll have to, I guess, tweet at me or email me because there's no way you can answer me right now. So anyway, unless a bunch of you guys say no, I'm going to call you guys toppers from now on. So I guess I should say welcome toppers to episode two. I'm glad you came back. I hope you are ready to have some fun turning a phrase inside out today. And if you listened to episode one or saw the latest poll on Twitter, then you know that the phrase we're doing today is a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. What originally made people start caring about how many birds were where and what they were worth? Why and when did this weird bird math equation become popular? Are two birds in a bush actually worth the same as one in your hand? Come along with me as I turn this phrase inside out to explore these questions and more. First off, what does a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush even mean? Quite simply, this idiom is the summary of many different proverbs that try to teach humans that it's better to have something for certain than to merely have the possibility of something better. It's about being content with what you already have because if you let that go to try to get something more that's an uncertainty, you may be left with nothing. Basically, it means don't be greedy. But where did this way of saying be grateful for what you have get its start? Well, like many vernaculars of old, it's hard to nail that down for sure. But we do know this one is definitely not a new kid on the sayings block. Let's start this week off with some of the earliest known uses of this idiom and its variants in the written word. There are actually some biblical references I want to mention, but I'll do all of those in their own section coming up. Let's stay secular for now. The earliest known non-biblical version of today's idiom can be found all the way back before all the events of the Bible had even taken place. The Greek poet Hesiod wrote the following proverb, quote, He is a fool who leaves what is close at hand to pursue what is out of reach. End quote. No mention of birds, but it's definitely the same message. Not long after that, well, it was a couple hundred years later, but in the grand scheme of things, that really isn't all that long. The fable king himself had something to say about birds and being greedy. Aesop spun a tale of not giving up what you have to go after uncertainty. It was called the hawk and the nightingale. In this fable, a hawk grabs a nightingale up in his talons, and the nightingale is less than pleased about this. Not too surprising. The nightingale begs the hawk to let him go, saying he's too small to be a satisfying meal for the hawk, and therefore the hawk shouldn't waste his time eating him when he could be looking for other bigger birds. The hawk responds with, quote, I should indeed have lost my senses if I should let go of food ready to my hand for the sake of pursuing birds which are not yet even within sight, end quote. By the 15th century, the current usage, a bird in the hand, was popular in Latin poetry. I can explain why, but it doesn't have to do with language, so I'm going to tell you in just a little bit. Don't hate. Because of this growing popularity, we can thank John Capgrave, an English chronicler, 
which is basically just a fancy name for someone who writes stuff down so it won't be forgotten, for chronicling the first English version of Life of St. Catherine around 1450. The English version has a line in it that states, quote, It is more secker a bird in your nest than to have three in the sky above, end quote. I kind of fudged a little bit on the pronunciations because it's written in Old English, but basically it's saying it's more secure to have a bird in your nest than to have three in the sky above you. In the 16th century, around 1530 to be approximately exact, Hugh Rhodes, an English poet and musician, wrote a statement which read, quote, better one bird in hand than ten in the wood, end quote. He was really into that one bird in the hand, apparently, seeing as how ten is a lot more than two. I guess if Rhodes had anything to do with it, we'd all be super content with whatever we have at any given time and never covet anything. If we jump ahead to the next century, around 1670, John Ray, an English naturalist, wrote a handbook of proverbs, and in that he wrote, quote, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, end quote. The word one was often substituted for a in that sentence, so it would have read, one bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. As you can see already, this phrase and its variants has been a popular one throughout history. And the list I just went over is by no means all of the times it's been listed in the past. Those are just some of the ones I felt best showed the progression of the phrase. But because it has some references in the Bible as well, I want to go over those too, just to show what a long-standing and tight grip this idiom and its older versions have on the human race. Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes sometime in the 450 to 180 BC range. According to a couple verses I want to share, he seemed to be pretty into the idea of having hope, but not giving up what you have to chase down an uncertain dream. Sounds a lot like the message behind today's idiom, does it not? First, the hope, which comes from Ecclesiastes 9.4. I'll read a couple different translations here, first from the King James Version, then from the New International Version. Ecclesiastes 9.4 from King James says, For to him that is joined, to all the living there is hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. The New International Version reads, Anyone who is among the living has hope, even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. Now for the one bird, two birds bit. This is from chapter 6, verse 9 of the same book, Ecclesiastes. Again, first I'll read the King James Version, then the NIV. Ecclesiastes 6, 9 from King James says, Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. This is also vanity and vexation of the spirit. The New International Version says, Better what the eyes sees than the roving of the appetite. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. As a bonus, here's an extra version that I think you'll find particularly interesting due to today's topic. This is the Living Bible translation of the verse I just read. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Mere dreaming of nice things is foolish. It's chasing the wind. Well, that's pretty straightforward if I do say so myself. And seeing as how I'm the only one talking here, I do say so myself. So basically what Solomon's getting at here is that no matter how you're living your life, even if you're a dog in the streets, but you're alive and can have hope, you're better off than some majestic lion that has everything, but you're dead. And then the second verse is basically the epitome of our idiom today. It's saying that things that are uncertain is foolish, it's like chasing the wind, you can't catch it, but if you have something there in your hands, something that you've already achieved, hold on to that. So I think I've presented enough proof that this idiom has a long-standing and strong presence in the written word. But is that all it is? A proverb warning us to be content? Or is there any truth to it? Anything physical about it? The answer to that is yes. Falconry, 
is a majestic blend of sport, hunting, and art. It is a melding of human and bird, teamwork between species, both working toward a common goal. And it is old. We're talking around 5th century BC old here. No one knows exactly when humans started training birds to fly away and come back on command, but there are references to it being practiced in and around the 600s of BC. So it's been a minute. And this is the truth hiding in our idiom. The falconer's trained bird is literally worth more than the birds that they're hunting, i.e. the birds in the bush. So the single bird in the hand is worth more than the multiple birds in the bush. Boom. Is your mind blown? Mine was a little. I'm not afraid to admit it. I had no idea that this saying, a bird in the hand or two in the bush, actually had any sort of real world meaning. But it does. So there you have it. So that's going to be it for a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And you know what that means? Well, okay, you may not know what that means because it is only the second episode. But what it does mean is that it's now time for this week's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's just a metaphor. This week, I'm discussing the metaphor, the bitter end. There's a literal definition of this phrase, which is the end of an anchor chain, a cable, or a rope. This has been a nautical term since at least the mid-1700s. Another definition is the conclusion of a difficult or unpleasant situation, and another is the last or furthest extremity. It would seem that the second or third definition would be where this phrase gets its metaphorical nature from. Bitter means unpleasant, end is pretty self-explanatory, so a bitter end could be seeing something through no matter how unpleasant it is, or that something just has an unpleasant end. But perhaps not. The first definition references something running out, getting to the literal bitter end, so you don't have rope left to use. So maybe the bitter end is a metaphorical phrase, meaning you have nothing left to give. Honestly, I can't tell you which one is the most correct, but those are the two main schools of thought. I suppose the bitter end can mean whichever one works best for you in the given situation you need to use it. Well, that's gonna do it for episode two of the Turn of Phrases podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today, toppers. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Don't forget to go to at Turn of Phrases on Twitter to participate in this week's poll, or just to follow me and stay connected. This week's poll question is, does an apple a day really keep the doctor away? You can also check out my website at www.turnofphrases.com, like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash turnofphrases, or email me at brisky at turnofphrases.com with any questions or comments. Don't forget, you can suggest topic ideas through the website or via email. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing or leaving a review, and please tell someone who you think would also enjoy listening to the show to help spread the word. Thank you again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast hosted by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, hold on to those birds. <laughs>